Bibi Fahodier, welcome to the African Liberation Media Podcast. Media solely focused on the liberation and empowerment of African people. I'm your host, Gullah Jack, aka Russell Swilly. Let's get to it. Today's date is July 19th, 2019. This I have been told. This is the African Liberation Media. I'm sitting here with Brother Macaroo and Brother Amos, scholars, African-centered thinkers. Much to do here recently regarding the vitriol being espoused by Khan Herafua, the one-fingered Bulgarian, the president <laughs> of these United Snakes. Black folk are in an uproar. Essentially, he has peeled back the onion and exposed America for what it is during this socio-economic decline. But when I really reflect on the imagery that has been projected to the public internationally of late, I saw four bold, courageous women stand up, stand strong, stand out, condemned this white supremacist for his racist, racist vitriol. I wondered out loud, Adam, where art thou? Where are the men, white, black, polka dot, striped, particularly the black men? You know, how, so much has changed from the time when African Americans, we were the vanguard of the progressive movement. We sit here 2019, July 19, Afri the African body politic has been neutered. You know, where are our leaders? What do we do to assert ourselves to bring about change, material benefits, change? You know, Sick Willie, another white supremacist, Bill Clinton said that, and I quote, I don't know why black people love me. <laughs> he said this, I'm quoting <laughs> Slick Willie. He said, all they seem to want is symbolism, cabinet appointments, etc., etc., etc. See, what can we do? Where is the process by which we can ethno-aggregate and arrive at a power-based position so that we can eliminate this unequal exchange. You know, we make the music, they sell it. They produce it. Okay. White folk have access to 100% of their disposable income and 98% of ours. In the political arena, there's an unequal exchange. We vote for them and we get nothing in return. There needs to be some discussion regarding equalizing the relationship vis-a-vis -vis the unequal relationship that we are subjected to in terms of what we offer politically, what we offer economically, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and, and if there are Asians in our community, should we not demand that they put on their shelves African manufactured products? or at least make the demand that they contribute something tangibly in the black community. This is a sad, sad spectacle, depressing to say the least. I'm gonna discontinue with my spiel at this point. We're gonna turn it over to Brother Amos and Brother Macaroo. This is the African Liberation Media. A BB for Hodier remains the goal. Abibi Fahodier, African family. Abibi Fahodier means African liberation. Bado Mapampano means the struggle continues. And, you know, that's where we are. That's where we are. Just picking up on this situation that um, has uh, certainly captured a lot of attention. The uh, attack by the uh, orangutan on these four uh Freshman congresswomen. I mean, they've been in office, what, seven months? Um, 
they are just uh, obviously being used um, by Donald Trump as a is a more or less something that you would that you would use to attract uh, a bunch of people that uh, are politically gullible and naive and need something to focus on, you know, in between their taking their opioids and to to keep to keep in in their minds an enemy. You know, Dr. Marimba Ani always talks about the necessity for the uh, white power structure, the European power structure, to focus on what she called the cultural other. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they always need these external enemies because without external enemies to focus on, they would literally self-destruct as they were doing in Europe before the Moors unfortunately invaded and brought them out of, um, you know, what they call the Dark Ages, really the White Ages, White Ages of self-destruction, self-annihilation. And so, so these, these women have become like, uh, you know, the, the, the target uh, or like target practice, uh, you know, for these people. But what's very, what I found very interesting this week as um, Trump made a campaign stop down in Greenville, North Carolina, at East Carolina University. His uh, Make America Great Again followers started lining up in the uh, 95 degree heat on Monday for a Wednesday appearance. They stood in line two days. I mean, I guess it was almost like the Germans lining up to watch the Fuhrer. But um, what happened, his initial attack was on these these four congresswomen, uh, Ocasio-Cortez, uh, Ayanna Presley, Rashida Tlaib, and Ilan Omar. And he said that uh, in, in expressing his own... Um, uh, demonic sense of xenophobia and nativism said that they should, because they hate America, they should go back to where they came from. And um, so the initial attack was on the four uh, congresswomen. But in Greenville, he singled out Il- Ilhan Omar. I guess somebody pointed out to him, I guess the buffoon didn't know that uh, that three of those women were actually born in the United States. Uh, Sister Omar was born in Somalia. And because of the destabilization of Somalia uh, by the United States in particular, you know, her, her family was forced to flee the country and they, you know, moved to Minnesota. So... I guess somebody probably, you know, told him, well, Omar is actually the only one could go back. I mean, you know, unless you want to send your wife back to where she came from, unless you want to go back to Germany or Ireland where your people came from. So he singled Omar out. And to me, in my in, in my mind, knowing knowing the psychopathic racial personality, knowing how pathological these people are, knowing that there are other Dylan Roofs, Joseph Paul Franklins, and and others out there. This is this in my mind is putting putting this sister in a very, very, very dangerous position. But she is a sister of enormous courage because she is not backing down. I've seen so many of these Negroes compromise immediately when they get under attack mm. they come up with all kind well that's not what i meant uh, all, they, they you know they they just immediately you know uh bend over and, and 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 grab their ankles rather than standing up but this sister this sister is standing up but we should not underestimate the capacity of the white supremacy dynamic the raw elements or even the deep state elements to uh do harm 
here because, you know, that would be, uh, you know, somebody could stick uh, a Dylan Roof feather in their cap if, if, some, if something happened to her. And so I thought it was, I thought it was great that uh, Benny Thompson, uh, African-American congress, congressman from Mississippi, uh, has, is, uh, he's actually the chair of the Homeland Security Committee. He's asking that, uh, that these ladies in particular be given uh, extra protection because of all of the death threats that they are taking. They are taking, they are being threatened, their lives are being threatened on a daily basis uh, by these um, Neanderthugs uh, and others. Uh, so I, I just think we just need to keep that, you know, in, in our frontal lobes, the fact that that by by singling her out, talking about uh, she was a supporter of of Al Qaeda and all kinds of other just just lies, just I mean, just straight up out of uh, the, the propaganda that uh, that was put forth by Joseph Goebbels during the Third Reich, hmm. just absolute lies. And but but his base, his base. See, here's the thing. Everybody wants to single out. Uh, Donald Trump. Donald Trump is saying things that millions, tens of millions of Americans have always believed. Nativism, nativism, the idea that no uh, quote unquote foreigners, and that, that has ex come to mean people from, particularly from Muslim countries, uh, people from Africa, and people from uh, uh, Hispanic countries should be allowed in the United States. But this is nothing new. I mean, if you go back and read the writings of <laughs> Benjamin Franklin from 1751, he was raising the question. He said, why are we bringing, why are we darkening America by implanting the sons of Africa in this country where we have so great an opportunity to have this as an all-white country? This is Benjamin Franklin. And the same views were held in using different forms of language by Thomas Jefferson and Abraham Lincoln. Mm -hmm. So Trump isn't saying anything new. He, there's, 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 there's nothing new here. And what he's saying, he is saying things that tens of millions of people identify with and believe. He just happened to become the mouthpiece for them. So no, no different in my mind. When, when, when you study the rise of Adolf Hitler in the Third Reich, the things that Hitler was saying were things that, that millions of Germans all, already believed. They just needed somebody to articulate it. And perhaps the only thing that's really kept this thing from just exploding is that Trump does not have the uh, oratorical skills of Hitler who was certainly one of the master orators that's, that's, that's ever walked the planet. But he nevertheless, d d despite his, his shortcomings and his, uh, his ignorance, he's, he still is able to, um, to articulate a message that uh, you know, these uh, Neanderthugs identify with. And so that that's that has this sister in, in in my in my mind in particular Il Ilhan Omar perhaps more than the others in a in 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 a, in a position and then and the question becomes if the Europeans move then what then what happens okay hopefully that will not happen but one thing I will say about this this sister is that there is no back down in her as a matter of fact she put forth a resolution uh, this week about you know uh, the right to free speech she was particularly focused on the, this move in congress to shut down any debate on the uh, uh, the uh, boycott uh, disvestment uh, movement against the zionist state of uh, israel um, so you know that's uh that's just something that we need that we need to keep in our mind when 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 we hear these attacks on her, you see, first first comes the demonization. Come on. First comes the demonization, then comes the military action. Okay, 
first the de- the demonization comes first when if 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 they if they are not able to subdue people by uh the missionaries you know uh i i i remember Kwame Ture's speech at the Free Huey rally in uh February of 1968 and uh he 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 said he talked about it. he said first they send the missionaries then they send the money then they send the marines okay so so if if the if 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 the missionaries uh, and the missionaries here could be any number of you know the missionaries here could be social media anything that's used to uh to uh, brainwash our people or uh, to to influence the, the the way we think to make us believe things you know that 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 are just nonsense so the missionaries could be anything then comes the money so if 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 they can't buy off if they if they can't brainwash people and they can't buy them off then they send in the marines but the the marines could be uh in 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 this situation just raw elements of the white supremacy dynamic you know the aryan brotherhood or it could be the police or it could be whoever right uh it could be a quote unquote lone wolf like like Dylan Roof so the missionary the money the marines and so so in 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 that context here so so what comes first is the demonization mm-hmm. so they have thoroughly demonized in the in the minds of, of of a lot of these make america great again people ilhan omar and the other sisters have been demonized thoroughly demonized and so what comes next does it does it follow the same pattern or in his mind, it's probably beneficial to keep them around throughout the the, the whole election cycle. <clears throat> but 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 when but but when you are when you are delivering a message, you know that has uh, a very strong you know psychological pull on a pathological mind, then you can't stop somebody from just going out and engaging in an, an act of uh, individual violence because they think that's what you want them to do in his mind. He would probably like to keep these Congresswomen around throughout the entire election cycle so that he can use them as a distraction, you know, from other issues. Mm-hmm. So those are just some things for us to think about as, you know, this, this thing unfolds. Absolutely. I wanted to touch on another topic that happened where it was recently uh, around social media but it happened back in May, and this was when Officer or Deputy Sheriff Alan Gaston walked into an IRS office and was uh, held at gunpoint by a white security guard, Seth Eklund, I think that's how you pronounce his name. And it's a, a few key points here that I wanted to point out. I don't even have to talk about the mentality of white people and how they feel that their authoritative ways control black people, no matter what position you're in or what position that you think you're in. You know, we've heard the stories in history how black sheriffs have been ran out of town by white mobs who have come back and taken over the town when they decide they no longer want the black sheriff to have any power. Mm-hmm. So this is another example of that. That's the clear, clear observation. But one of the things that I noticed about this, this whole situation is that if the roles were reversed, anybody, whether you're security guard or not. Now, we've seen how many times black security guards, whether it be at nightclubs or whatever, have been shot by the police when the police pulls up to the club or whatever. Mm-hmm. They automatically assume that the black security guard is a criminal. Mm-hmm. So this white security guard pulls a gun on a black deputy sheriff in uniform in full uniform and the black deputy sheriff still didn't pull out his gun and shoot him and gun him down now if the roles are reversed if anybody pulls a gun on a white uniformed police officer they're going to shoot first they're going to draw their weapon and try to shoot no matter what Mm mm-hmm it's not about trying to def- defuse the situation. They are, according to them, threatened by this gun and fear, in fear of their life at this time. 
This black deputy sheriff turned his back and walked away from this white security guard, leaving himself exposed to be shot in the back. Now, some people may say that he was de-escalating the situation. But another way to de-escalate the situation would have been to pull his gun out and shoot him right in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and he had every right that he sworn by the law to serve and protect. That was a threat. He should have ended the threat. That's the first point. The second point is every time stuff like this happens, I like to go through different websites, media websites, and look at the comments of what people are saying. So oftentimes when you have these cases where young black men are shot down by the police, you'll see all of these police officers, these, you know, white supremacists or, or, or whatever you call them, they'll come out, you know, in the forums and they'll just leave these comments, you know, talking about how it was justifiable why the black man or the black woman was killed by the police officer. They always take up for the police officer. Hmm. So I wanted to see in the comments if they were going to take up for the deputy sheriff in this situation. And for the most part, most of the comments dealt with the, you know, the white security guard being incompetent or the white security guard being afraid of black men. Uh, but you always had those comments of what I call deflection. Whenever all of the fingers point at white supremacy, it's always going to be deflection points. So you had a couple of, or a few, you know, different white people come in and post the statistics of the killings in Chicago <laughs> or the statistics of the killings in Alabama. Or hell, they could even post the statistics of the killings in Charlotte mm. as a way to deflect from an obvious example, which we've had many examples, but this is one of those examples where they really have no excuses for for this white person's behavior. Brother, they gonna always have an excuse. They gonna always find one. You know, heads you win, I mean, heads they win, tails you lose. That's right, that's right. You, you know, know. What, 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 what about this support for law enforcement? Right, and that's what, yeah. and that's what I was looking for in the comments to see. But one of the things that I also noticed was that it's amazing. Blue Lives Matter. How much CNN covers Donald Trump every day. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's a Donald Trump story on CNN. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I went on Google and I typed in Seth Eklund, and behind his name I put CNN. <laughs> CNN didn't even cover this story. Never covered the story. I typed in Alan Gaston, behind his name I put CNN. Never, no story. Never covered it. All about ratings, brother. Cash cow. Trump yeah. is Trump is their cash cow. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that we have to take from situations like this is, and we already know, those who study know that Europeans will never be able to be, quote unquote, educated on their wrongdoings. Mm. No. That's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. So oftentimes, like we talked about before on this show, you know, people fight, you know, to prove to the white Europeans that we should get this or we should get that, or, you know, people respond back to uh, uh, Mitch McConnell and all these things like that. You're not gonna change the way these people think. Mm -mm. It's Absolutely no, It's not. no power in trying to change the nope. way they think. Nope. It's only power in being able to make sure that you can control what they can do to you. Neutralize their capacity. Yeah. The great Kwame Ture Come on. said that, you know, if a white man can wants lynch to lynch you. me, if he wants to lynch me, then that's his problem. Mm -hmm. But if he has the power to lynch me, that's my problem. then that's my problem. Yes, exactly. sir. So keep that thought in your thought process in your mind. Every day, you know, going through life when you're dealing with these Europeans, don't feel like you can change them. It's not about us trying to educate or change or enlighten them till they'll get to a point where, you know, racism and oppression will no longer exist. We have to understand and study, continue to study who they are, what they're doing, what their plans are to try to destroy us, 
and then gain the power and have the capacity to neutralize it or stop it from even happening. Exactly. exactly. You, you, you know, uh, excellent, brother. Uh, bravo. And, uh, and I was reading something from Claude Anderson, and he was talking about the white supremacist dynamic racism, and um, you know, he mentions the fact that they fight once again as a team. I've said it, you know, here before on this show. And they fight with a team spirit, you know, versus Africans. You know, we tend to fight individually. You know, McCarroll alluded to this earlier when we were setting up. You know, we, uh, we talk about African communalism, but in the final analysis, we tend to try to resolve our problems individually, ego-driven individualism. We're lacking a team and then the spirit, to quote, um, the team spirit, to quote uh, Dr. Claude Anderson, is an uneven spirit. But another critical element of his assessment of where we are is the fact that uh, we are lacking an adequate code of conduct. Hmm. You know, I, I know we talked about uh, Dr. Ani earlier, and you know, she defines, we've said here on this show, culture is the ability to cooperate or culture allows uh, natural cooperation and allows us to cooperate naturally, you know, but we are so bogged down as a result of egotism uh, to our own detriment. Mm. And, uh, you know, it, it's sad, brother, and, um, you know, Bobby Wright alerts us to the fact that genuine insight in many instances into European behavior does not result in a correlating change in the African behavior. No. You know, in spite of all of the empirical evidence, mm. you know, that you mentioned, brother. Wow. You know, it's it's a case where opinion, no pun, trumps fact. Mm. You know, truth is whatever you want it to be. So you will get hit with charges such as, oh, you're generalizing. And this is from Negroes, man, mm -hmm. you know, on Sunday morning. So, um, well, I was I was inter interested to see, you know, what the what the black Negro is like Jesse Lee Peterson Oh, would have to say about a situation like this. I'm pretty sure he won't even talk about it because he always finds a way to justify a black man being killed by a white person. Brother, I saw that when I first came to Charlotte, Wendy Gale Thompson, a uh, sister who was shot mercilessly by a police officer in the black community, basically tried to, in some segments, quarters, tried to vilify this sister by insinuating falsely that she was involved in some type of illicit relationship with this police officer you know and when they can't like 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 i said no coverage on cnn when they can't do it they sweep it under the rug brother we saw <laughs> boys in the hood art imitates life ice cube doughboy <laughs> articulated beautifully either they don't know don't show. It's just like when you, you're right. It's just like when those white boys pull the guns on the cops or shoot at cops and then the cops don't shoot them or don't kill them. You don't find those stories in the mainstream media either. No. So you have to go to smaller news networks to find these type of stories. So if this was a story where they can go in and go into this brother's background and say, hey, when he was 15, he got caught smoking a joint. Mm. Yeah, you know, then 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 you know the whites would be saying, well, maybe he was high, and the police officer <laughs> smelled marijuana on him. Yeah, right. You know, one of the things that there was a couple of things about that story that um, the uh, deputy Alan Gaston, um, who uh, trains uh, other officers in in handling situations like that, his comments were, I thought, were very interesting because. His comments, in a lot of ways, were an indictment of uh, the police departments as institutions. Okay. Yes, sir. You know, he said that uh, when he turned his back to walk away, he said he was de-escalating the situation, and he said he could just he could just imagine that the gun would be fired and he'd be shot in his back at any moment. And the average, the average. Uh, black person on the street doesn't have the option of turning away and walking 
from a police officer that has a gun drawn. We saw the uh, brother, where was it, in Pittsburgh, I think it was. Uh, it was earlier this year or last year who uh, was shot in the back. The, the Supreme Court actually allows officers to shoot people in the back if they perceive the person to be a threat to themselves or to others. So, so you know, he, so he turned and walked away. The other thing he said I, I found very interesting was that this security guard, he said the security guard's attitude or his emotions or whatever went from zero to 100 in a matter of seconds. And, th and, 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 and so this is what we see when somebody like Tamir Rice is killed in less than two seconds. So, you know, a lot of what he said was, was an indictment, but like, like Brother Amos said, the brother never, never thought about, about self-defense, whereas if it had been a black security guard and a white officer. Yeah, or even using, using his power, he could have said, he could have said, put your hands up, you're under arrest. You're under arrest, exactly, you know, because, you know, I'm, you know, I'm in, you know, I mean, he walked into place, he's on duty. He walked into place with all of his uh, police equipment on. And, and, and the security guard told him to put, his, to put his gun down or take his gun off. And when the, and when the, when the other white police officers showed up, the ones that he <coughs> called, he didn't approach them and tell them to put their weapons back in the car. Exactly, he didn't, and didn't. And, 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 and the officer was saying, if, if, I were, if I were to take this gun off while I'm on duty, I would be in violation of you know my uh, you know rules and responsibilities as an officer, but 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 the main thing here is that is that I think what this is and and there are just so many we there, there are so many stories like this every 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 single day. Uh, it's a reflection of I think the 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 attitude right the um, the the race baiting uh, pyromaniac in the White House has has exacerbated a militancy. Okay, now he didn't originate it. Let's be clear about that. He's not the originator of it. Mm -hmm. Dylan Roof carried out his uh, execution while Obama was president. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't originate it, but he's exacerbated it. So we see more and more of these incidents, and you know, I, you know, I refer, I refer to these people, like um, you know, this white man that called uh, the poli called the police on uh, these two brothers. Uh, one brother was a realtor. This was in Cincinnati. One brother was a realtor. The other brother was a uh, a prospective buyer. So they went to the house. He went to the house to show the brother the house. A white man sitting in his house, ex-police officer, saw the brothers go in the house and called the police and said that uh, two black men were breaking into this house. So the police come. Okay, now the, 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 the dispatcher, when, when she relayed the information to the, to the patrol, uh, people that were on patrol, she repeated what uh, this white guy said, you know, that there was a forced entry into this house. So now the officers are approaching the house thinking that these two brothers have broken into the house. So they have their guns drawn. And they tell the brothers to come out with their hands up and they, they come out and they're incredulous. They're like, what the hell? And they... They, they're trying to explain to them that the one brother saying, I'm a realtor, the other guy's a buyer, and they handcuff him. They handcuff him. Now, the white guy that called the police on them, then he comes over and tells them, you know, what he saw. He gave the impression that they'd actually broken the door down. He has filed a false report. Essentially, what he's done, he's given the police false information. He didn't see anybody break a door down or anything. He saw them enter the house. But think about this situation because these guys are trigger happy. If one of these brothers had just made a simple nervous move, 
Both of them could have been gunned down. And the police would have said, we feared for our lives. And they would have walked away based on the lie. So I call these people who are calling the police on black people, I call them the 21st century lynch mob. They are not out at com committing the actual lynching themselves, except for, you know, Zimmerman lynched Trayvon Mott. A lynching, a lynching is an extrajudicial killing. A lot of people think a lynching is just somebody, somebody has to be hung. It's, it's an extrajudicial killing in any form, okay? Good point. So, so what they are hoping, what, these, what, this, what this 21st century lynch mob are hoping, and, 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 and they might be individuals scattered from, you know, Barbecue Becky in Oakland to South Park Susan here in Charlotte to this Neander thug up there in Cincinnati, they all are operating with the same mentality, the same psychopathic racial mentality. But what they hope is that the people they're calling the police on will be killed. The, 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 same, the same as the lynching of Mary Turner, Sam Holes, uh, and others. It's the same it's the same thing, you know, uh, Bobby Hall. And I, I did want to talk about Bobby Hall because that I, I didn't get the information right the last time we was on the program. But anyway, I mean, we need we, we need to we need to we need we, we need to understand what's going on here. See. This this period of history is a period of history that is very is similar mm. to the overthrow and betrayal of reconstruction okay the overthrow and betrayal of reconstruction was fundamentally carried out by violent white supremacists in people like uh colfax louisiana in wilmington north carolina okay and in uh, in in numerous of other other places uh throughout this country so and 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 what they called it they, what they called it, they called it redemption, and they called themselves redeemers. So it was the, the, the white redemption campaign. We are redeeming ourselves because we went to war and we lost, and they tried to give everything we had to the Negros, and now we're taking it back. And so in Mississippi, they had what was called the Mississippi Plan, which was also known as the shotgun policy. And they said, we're going to prevent these people from voting with our shotguns. That's why they carried their guns to church on Easter Sunday in 1876 in Colfax, Louisiana, and left church after uh, listening to the preacher talking about Jesus rising from the grave and went out and killed over 170 black people. Okay. This is the same mentality. Obama, even though from, from, from our perspective, <laughs> was just, you know, a white supremacist in blackface in terms of his actions. He executed the agenda of America's oligarchic psychopathocracy without a whimper of protest. And our people were seduced by spiritual wickedness in high places. But in terms of what he actually did for us, you know, amounted to a little more than zero. It's funny that you say that because Sean King made a comment this week. He said, what's the purpose of having power if you're not gonna use it? <laughs> mm -hmm. When the, when the um, verdict came back, uh, in regards to the civil charges, federal charges against the officer who killed Eric Gardner, mm -hmm. that investigation started under the Obama administration. That's right. So essentially, what he's saying is, what what use is it to be black, and, or to we know he's not black, but the people, you know, they say that he's a black man, but we know that you know uh, Obama is really a mulatto who at heart is a white person. But what's the purpose of 
getting in that position and having the power. Now, the Attorney General, Eric Holder, was black. What's the purpose of having the power if you're not going to exercise that power and use it? Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, that, 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 that's what I wanted. That's what I was segueing into it. But I have to sometimes go out all the way around the barn. But um, much appreciated, brother. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, I feel for the Garner family. But from a realistic perspective, was there any surprise that the Trump Justice Department would not file charges? As I uh, almost just quoted Sean King, uh, Eric Garner was killed while Obama was president and Eric Holder was the uh, attorney general. Eric Holder left and he was replaced by Loretta Lynch. They had two years to take some kind of action in this particular case. They didn't do anything. Does anybody think that the Trump administration was going to do something? No. As a matter of fact, the Trump administration said that no federal crime was committed. He didn't violate uh, Daniel Patello, Panatello or whatever his name is. He didn't violate the this, the uh, rules of the New York City Police Department at the time regarding the chokehold. So they didn't. They, so they didn't even see where a crime was committed. Now, now here's what I wanted to talk about because when the, the when the the first time there was any uh, minute pressure put on the uh, Obama administration was when George Zimmerman stalked and killed Trayvon Martin. And, and, he, and he pussyfooted on that. And 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 the uh, Florida Attorney General, uh, I don't know where she went to law school, but obviously she doesn't un understand the, the fundamentals of law 101 because clearly uh, Zimmerman should have been charged with felony stalking. I mean, there should have been some charge that would stick. Maybe, I don't know, you know, the white supremacy of the jury, whatever. But when, 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 when uh, Eric Holder was confronted about this, why aren't you filing civil rights charges against Zimmerman after he was acquitted by the jury? And he said that the standard is too high. The standard is mm. too high. Okay, so I wrote I wrote a blog post titled How the Lynching of Robert Bobby Hall in 1943 Impacts the Civil Rights of Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown Jr., Tamir Rice, and others today. And the subtitle of it is We Still Being Screwed by Screws. Okay, so the prevailing law is screws versus the United States. That's, that's the prevailing law. And so what happened... Was um, was that um, this this brother uh, Robert Bobby Hall was killed by the sheriff in Baker County, uh, Georgia, and his deputies on the courthouse lawn, literally. And uh, Shirley Sherrod, Sister Shirley Sherrod, uh, whose uh, family I actually worked for. Uh, back in the 1970s, uh, Bobby McCossa recruited us to come come down to Southwest Georgia to work on the farm they had. Uh, they they were they were developing a farming cooperative, and so um, so I'm 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 just going to read what Shirley Sherrod said. Uh, she was giving a speech, and and, and this uh, Obama made a knee jerk reaction because she was working in the Department of Agriculture for the Obama administration. And uh, they put some, uh, uh, Breitbart put some negative propaganda out about her. And Obama just knee-jerked, accepted the uh, propaganda of the white supremacists and fired the sister. And then once he realized he'd made a mistake, he came begging, and asked him to take the job back. And she told him to stick it. And so this is what she said. It was 45 years ago today that my, this was a speech she was giving. I uh, can't remember what year it was that she was giving a speech. It was during the Obama administration. It was 45 years ago today that my father's funeral was held. I was a young girl at the age of 17 when my father was murdered by a white man in Baker County. 
In Baker County, the murder of black people occurred periodically, and in every case, the white men who murdered them were never punished. It was no different in my father's case. There were three witnesses to his murder, but the grand jury refused to indict the white man who murdered him. I should tell you a little bit about Baker County. In case you don't know where it is, it's located less than 20 miles southwest of Albany. Now, there were two sheriffs from Baker County that whose names you probably never heard of, but I know in the case of one, the thing he did many years ago still affect us today, and that sheriff was Claude Screws. Claude Screws lynched a black man, and this was the at the beginning of the 1940s. The lynching actually occurred in 1943. And the strange thing back then was that an all-white federal jury convicted him not of murder but of depriving Bobby Hall, and I should say that Bobby Hall was a relative, depriving him of human rights. So now this sister, Shirley Sherrod, uh, the wife of Charles Sherrod, who went to Albany to organize for SNCC in, uh, I think, 1961 or 62 or somewhere in the time frame, and he stayed there and, and purchased about 5,000 acres of land to build this, um, he he wanted to build a community and a farming cooperative. Okay, so this 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 so so this sister has had her father killed when she was seventeen, and her cousin Robert Bobby Hall was her cousin. He said so. Uh, in the opinion, when the justice wrote his opinion and and justifying overturning the conviction. Okay, so here's what happened. So. Uh, Screws and these other two deputies, they killed, they killed Bobby Hall. Of, of course, no jury, no all-white jury in Baker County, Georgia, or LaFleur County, Mississippi, or Macon County, Alabama, or Mecklenburg County, North Carolina, was going to convict a white man for killing a black man in 1943. So the Roosevelt administration... I'm assuming under pressure from uh, Eleanor Roosevelt and Mary McLeod Bethune filed civil rights charges. And they actually got an all-white jury to agree that Screws and his deputies had violated Bobby Hall's civil rights. Okay? So Screws uh, appealed to the Supreme Court. So the justice wrote his opinion in justifying the overturning of the conviction. He said that you had proof that as the sheriff was murdering Bobby Hall, he was he was thinking of depriving him of his civil rights. You had to prove that. Let me read that again. This is what Eric Holder was referring to. The justice who wrote the opinion said you had to prove that the sheriff that as the sheriff was murdering Bobby Hall, he was thinking of depriving him of his civil rights. That's where the whole issue proving intent came from. So, so, so what they said was the Supreme Court agreed, yeah, he committed a murder. But we don't agree that he violated the civil rights because the U.S. Criminal Code says you have to prove that he intended to do it. This is how screwed up the law is in the United States. Now, what happened was that um, was that the uh, the apartheid Congress overturned the Ku Klux Klan Act. Of uh, I want to say 1872, 1870, 1871, 72 or 73. So in that time frame, the radical Republicans, Thaddeus Stevens and others have put this law in place to be able to convict uh, the Klansmen and other white supremacists who were killing black people but who were not being convicted. So it's, 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 it's called the Enforcement Acts, but one of them has the, has the, the moniker of the <coughs> Ku Klux Klan Act. So the, the Apartheid Congress went in and rewrote the criminal code overturning the Ku Klux Klan Act saying, you, you have to prove that they intended to do it. So what, well, so what Eric Holder was saying was, the reason why we want, we can't charge Zimmerman with violating Trayvon Martin's civil rights is because we can't prove that he intended to do it. <laughs> okay. He stalked Martin. But he was never charged with felony stalking, but Eric Holder didn't even go there. 
He, he didn't even think about taking up the, the issue of stalking, which could prove it, right? But so his cop out was we can't we can't file these charges. Okay, so now he, now here's here's my issue. Here's my issue. Screws versus the United States is is for all of these people who believe in reform. You believe in Brown versus the Board of Education. You believe in all of this. Screws versus you the you, Screws versus United States is one of the most important civil rights rulings in this country. Almost nobody knows anything about it. I guarantee you, if you if we walk out of here tonight and walk up and down Bettysville Road and West Boulevard. Or we could even walk on a lot. We could even walk on the campus of John C. Smith, UNC Charlotte, or we could go up to Duke or Chapel Hill or or A&T or we could we could go to Yale and and ask people tell us about Screws versus the United States. Nobody knows anything about it. The Civil Rights Movement never made it a priority to attack this ruling. But here you have a black president. And a black attorney general, Eric Holder, who know constitutional lawyers, they know both of them are constitutional lawyers. Both of them know that this law is in place and this law is preventing them. Or at least is giving them a, a rationale or an excuse. Or a scapegoat for not bringing civil rights charges, even assuming if they had the wherewithal to do it, we don't know that they would be motivated to do it anyway, given who they are. But but so you had a black president and two black attorney generals and you had eight years and they never charged. They never put forth any kind of uh, litigation. To challenge this ruling, so-called black president, so-called, you know, so-called <laughs> actually, you know, the strange thing about him is that. Uh, his he's actually a descendant of two Africans, and slave and white slave owners too. Yeah, he's a descendant of two Africans. His father from Kenya, and John Punch, an African who was captured in Cameroon and sold into slavery in Virginia, married a white indentured servant, and the children of that union eventually began to pass for white. They became enslavers of African people along the way. And at some point, they eventually wind up at Obama's mother. Now, is that crazy or what? But anyway, we're not going to get into that, the black, the Negro kind of thing. What I'm saying here is that is that for all these people who believe that this man was this, that, and all the most. Here is a ruling. Here's a rule. Now, they they didn't even have uh, the Trump administration never even went to intent with air, with uh, the uh, uh, Garner case. They, they 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 never even went to intent. They just said no crime was committed. But but when when Eric Holder was confronted by um, uh, Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, Jr. He went straight back to screws. And said, I can't prove intent. But you haven't challenged the law. The NAACP hasn't challenged the, the Congressional Black Caucus. You all have not challenged this law. Okay? And the average black person that does have don't don't even know anything about it. Don't even doesn't doesn't even know it exists. But it's the excuse that 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 that, that Obama, Holder, and Loretta Lynch use repeatedly for not filing civil rights charges against these people who killed unarmed black citizens like 12-year-old Tamir Rice. Well, it's a, it's a cop-out. And I remember when Obama gave that speech when Trayvon Martin was killed, when he said, if I had a son, he looked like Trayvon. Hmm. If you watch that speech, watch Obama's mannerisms during that speech. He's so concerned about offending white America that for the majority of the speech, he's looking down. Mm. This, the way they used to tell black men, don't look a white man in his eye. Yes, sir. He's mm -hmm. looking down like a Negro, mm -hmm. humble, meek, and mild, just to speak up 
for what he felt was an injustice. He'd had a confidence or the bold or the brass like a trump to look the camera in the eye and stick his chest out and say, this is what it is, and I don't give a damn what y'all got to say about it. Mm-hmm. Because his whole eight years in office, he was always worried about how he would offend white people. That's why when he ran, he said, you know, I'm not just a president for black people. I'm a president for all Americans. Yeah, and he was looking he was looking ahead to becoming a billionaire. And he wanted to get paid. And so he wasn't going to do anything that might affect his future income. He never had a black agenda. Of course not. No black agenda, no moral core. So if he if he was a a a, a real black president that was that that had a black focused agenda, he would have have had no problem with at least, like you say, challenging the law. And if the charges don't go through, then they just don't go through. But you at least at least at least you challenge. At least you challenge, okay. you charge, and then you let it go to court. Exactly. And I mean, you see what happens. Yeah. You see, and, and and the thing of it is, is that is that it would be one thing if they didn't know anything about this. But they admitted, they admitted that they knew. Eric Holder admitted he knew what the problem was. But you had eight years to develop some kind of litigation to go before the Supreme Court. Okay, let's say you don't, you not necessarily do it, but you might go to the NAACP Legal Defense Fund and say, look, let's, I want you all go to court and challenge this and we'll throw the weight of the Justice Department behind it. Now, the ruling might come down with Clarence Thomas and, you know, his gang up there. It may come down to five to four. But now you, but but by challenging, now you have exposed it. Our people don't know anything about this. You know, other than the uh, three, two or 3,000 people that read it on my blog, and they don't know it. They don't even know anything about it. That's... To me, and that was that was a little. At this point, probably a little over fifty years ago. And Obama, you know, when he was inaugurated, he was citing treaties that happened in American history, going back to the treaty between George Washington and Morocco in seventeen hundreds. <laughs> so he can he can recite stuff from back then. Exactly. But when it comes to this, you know, you know, he had, he's oblivious to. Uh, to a precedent that can be used to challenge the ruling. I mean, it's embarrassing if if you had a son, he would be like Trayvon Martin. That's not the way a father responds. If the son has been well, that's the rhetor- murdered. you know that's what yeah. Doctor Honey calls the rhetorical ethic. Yeah. Okay. He's only he he doesn't believe what he's saying himself. That's purely for the consumption of what Malcolm called the political chumps in the African-American body politic. Do you hear what he said about Trayvon? Is, this man don't believe that. Designed to weaken a potential victim. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's incredible. You know, it's, this is the African liberation media, and these attacks on the black psyche are designed to keep us off balance. I mean, there was a time when a black man could be lynched. Hear this now, if his dog barked too loud. This is African Liberation Media. I'm here with Brother Amos and Brother Macaroo. We will see you next week, Khabibi 48. Khabibi 48. Khabibi 48. Power or the lack of power. I want to repeat this. Power or the lack of power. If your education in this institution is not about gaining real power, not job, because your jobs do not represent power. Not getting elected, that does not represent power either. You are buying your houses and fine clothes, does not represent power either. If it is not about real power, you are being miseducated and misled, and you will die educated and misled. If your study of black history is merely an exercise in feeling good about yourself, 
then you will die feeling good. The study of history then must be more than the pumping up of your self-esteem and the pumping up of your pride. Those things are important, but ultimately those things are not the means by which we will save ourselves as people in this world.